What's going on? Sweat It Out is sponsored by Ice Shaker, the ultimate bottle for living an active and healthy lifestyle. You see, Ice Shaker is the perfect bottle for keeping your drinks hot or cold and blending powders on the go. It was created by Chris Gronkowski and invested in by Mark Cuban, so you all know it's legit. So please, we encourage you guys to go check them out at iceshaker.com and use our coupon code SWEATITOUT for $5 off your first purchase of $25 or more. If you guys know us, you know we're not here to push products that aren't going to benefit your life. If we use it, we want you guys to use it because we know it's going to bring a lot of value. And there's no better bottle than Ice Shaker. Another thing, guys, both Josh and I, we live in Miami. And you know that's a very hot city. So it's super important for us to keep our drinks cold at all time. So for those who live in hot cities as well, you know what we're going through. One more time, check them out at iceshaker.com and use coupon code SWEATITOUT for $5 off your first purchase of $25 or more. Boom. If you guys are like us, you know how hard it is to find the perfect pair of workout gear. That's why we want to introduce you to 10,000. 10,000 is a no BS, no gimmick company with no endless scrolling through indistinguishable products. We understand how overwhelming it can be to have to scroll through a mindless amount of products and colorways when you're trying to pick the perfect fit for you. 10,000 has pared back their line to just the essentials, creating a system of gear that's perfectly designed for all the ways you train. Check them out at 10,000.cc and use the code SWEATITOUT for 15% off your order. What is up, guys, and welcome back to the Sweat It Out podcast. Today, we have a special guest coming all the way out of the Big Apple. He's a good friend of mine. He's an entrepreneur. He's the founder of Seymour's Restaurant, the co-founder of Meatballer's Restaurant, the co-founder of Well Well. He has the Born or Made podcast, and he's a legend at what he does. On top of that, he's a huge health and fitness advocate. Please help me welcome Michael Chernow. It's time to sweat it out with Anthony Mendez and Josh Evans. What is up, guys, and welcome back to the Sweat It Out podcast. Today, we have a special guest all the, all the way from the Big Apple. This dude right here is a friend of mine. He's an entrepreneur, a father. He's a great figure for the community. This man's a fitness advocate. I don't, I'm telling you, this guy does it all. Welcome, Michael Chernow. What's up, brother? What's up, guys? How are you? Pretty good. How, are you? How about yourself? I'm great. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Of course, uh, man. We know you're very busy, so we appreciate your time. Absolutely. So how you been, my dude? How's everything going? You know, man, just uh, trying to make the best of a shitty situation. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm finding the silver lining in every opportunity I can. Um, I'm still hitting it hard, uh, with my training, um, focused on building new opportunities and really this has, uh, been an incredible opportunity for me to spend time with my wife and kids. 
because I never thought in a million years that I'd have the opportunity to spend this much time with my wife and kids at this stage in my career. No, that's truly amazing. I know we've talked about it before, and I know even in, in your podcast, you know, we've talked a little bit about that, about, you know, how this has been a blessing in disguise, you know, being able to take this time and, 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 and use it as an advantage to be with our families and focus on other areas of our lives that, you know, maybe we weren't paying too much attention to or that we want to start paying attention to. So, uh, you know, the fact that you brought that up is, is definitely truly amazing. So I got to ask you, because um, I know you told me that, you know, I know you're, you're from the city and now you're, you know, slightly off of that. How's that transition gone for you? How's that going for you? How are you feeling about that? And what are some of the things you're doing differently now from that hustle and bustle of New York to not being on the outskirts? Yeah, I mean, look, you know, I'm born and raised in Manhattan in New York City, right? And so for New York City people, it's really hard to make a transition um, from, you know, the convenience of what New York City has to offer and the culture of what New York City has to offer, especially in my line of work because I'm a restaurateur. So I'm in, you know, I'm surrounded by people constantly, Um, you know, I'm at my best when I'm like out in front of a big group of people, just sort of, you know, being hospitable and being of service. Uh, when the whole thing hit, you know, my family and I made a conscious decision and said, look, you know, the restaurants are, are, uh, are one of the, one restaurant group Seymour's is, is closed, um, until further notice. However, it's open now. But when, when this whole thing hit, we were like, all right, we're going to shut all the restaurants. And then the meatball shop decided to stay open, but there was nothing I could do to help both of the restaurants. And there's, you know, there's teams running those companies now. Um, and so I didn't have anything really tying me to, to Brooklyn is where I live, uh, that needed me day to day that I couldn't handle on, you know, online. And so I said to my wife, why don't we just go upstate? Cause we have a house about two hours North of the city. Let's go upstate, let's play it safe, and let's see what happens. And we, we came up here. And to be honest with you, you know, it's a blessing um, because we're outside all the time. You know, we're on the property and I've got a big piece of property up here. So I'm not like, you know, we have a lot of land and the kids run around all day. I mean, um, I have a, a pretty sick garage gym. So as long as I'm able to stay physically fit mentally, I, 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 you know, if I'm able to stay physically fit, it really feeds my mental, you know, my mental state, which is typically positive and optimistic. And so I've stayed positive and optimistic throughout the whole process. Um, I've really adapted well to it. Um, and, you know, like, it's tough being in the restaurant business in a time like this. There's no doubt about it. Um, however, I have figured out a way to just say, you know what, I'm just going to, you know, I believe that the lessons are in the pause, man. I believe the lessons are in the pause. And a lot of the time, you know, we walk through life without, without the ability to take a pause, right? Cause we're just like, go, 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 go. This has been a big pause. And so I think it's given the, the globe an opportunity to sort of look at priorities and see what really matters and understand that, like, we are going to be okay. As long as we stay sane, we start thinking more about taking care of ourselves, we're going to be okay. Everybody's in it together. And it's a big pause. And I believe the lessons are there. You know, I believe the lessons are in the sort of the quiet moments when, you know, you're able to, 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 to get present 
and 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 look at what's happening. So I'm 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 actually cool. I'm happy. I, I've acclimated pretty well. How? Uh, let me ask you something. Uh, so, you know, I grew up in upstate New York, kind of like in an area that you are describing that you're in right now. I'm much farther north than than where you're currently located. But growing up, you know, I I I enjoyed being outside, being able to do all those things like, you know, raising a family in the city and then kind of transitioning to be able to spend a decent amount of time, you know, in, in the country, how has that transition been? And have you seen a difference in like, you know, the way that your family interacts? I'm just curious on like a personal level, right? Because I grew up in an, in an area like that and, you know, living in a, in a relatively big city like we do in Miami and, you know, interacting with my clients, I'm, you know, Mendez and I talk about this all the time. You know, I, I always wonder like what the difference really is raising a family in a major city compared to, you know, being out in the country. Cause I was just a kid, you know, so I wasn't really paying attention. You know, it's interesting. So growing up in New York city, I think there's a lot of, um, I mean, I don't think I know that it, there's, there's a lot of assets, you know, growing up in a city like New York, one, you're exposed culturally from day one. Right. So like, when it comes to food, when it comes to style, when it comes to just sort of like um, the way people communicate, uh, it, it is, it, it's, it's the exposure is real and it's viral and it's in front of your face constantly. Uh, the other beauty about growing up in New York, and I'm learning a lot about this now, right? Because not only are we dealing with this pandemic, but we're dealing with a lot of social injustice that is is has been surfacing for a long time but now is at like a at a at a peak it is it is really sort of hit a a place in time where things are actually starting to change for the better even though it took a terrible absolutely god awful catastrophe for some people to open up their eyes however i will say that growing up in new york city and i've been i've taken some flack for saying this but i'm just i got to be real to who i am right like i got to be honest and real like i grew up in new york city where we didn't, I didn't see color. You know what I mean? Like I, like all my friends were white, African-American, Latin, Asian, you know, like there was just like, it was just, we were, I went to public school in New York city, man. There was 3000 kids in my public school. They were from all over the world. And so racism, you know, from my lens, from my perspective did not exist. Now, what I've learned is that it might not have existed for me because I'm a white man in New York City. However, the kids that I was hanging out with, the African-Americans and Latins, probably experienced racism and I just didn't know it. And so that's what I'm learning now. Right. About that particular thing. But I will say that, like, growing up in New York City, having the diversity is, was really, really important to me. And uh, you don't get it up here in, in, in upstate New York. It's just, it's, it, you know, it's pretty white. Um, yeah, where I grew up was, like, I, I think, like, 98, 98.9% white or something like that. You know, it wasn't, you know, not, I mean, there were obviously, like, there were obviously racists up there, you know. But you just kind of disassociated yourself with them, which, again, right, it's not necessarily the most active way you could go about it. Uh, you know, and I've had my own thoughts on that after, uh, everything that's happened in America lately, you know, but, uh, I think, you know, being, being integrated, I mean, we live in a, you know, a majority Latin community, you know, but 
not just Cubans, you know, Venezuelans, pretty Colombians, big. you know, Argentinians, Brazilians. So we, we have a giant melting pot the as well. And in the world. What's that? <laughs> All the best looking people in the world. <laughs> I mean, you're looking at one right here. Yeah, dude. <laughs> you know, so, so I, I, I completely understand where you're coming from, you know, and I, I also uh, have seen the, the other side, right, from small town America. And uh, there's definitely a, a ton of a ton of room for us to grow and us to learn and us to become, you know, better citizens across the board in order to uplift everyone in America to make sure we all can have better lives, right? I think that that's the majority of Americans would would prefer that. I would I would think, right? I mean, I'm just a schmuck, but you know. Well, I, I look. I'll say that 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 component of of being born and raised in New York City was very special and unique to the rest of the country, quite frankly. Um, yeah. Millions uh, upon millions of people. Yeah. 9 million people in New York. Insane. Um, and so that is something that I am super grateful for. But, but on the flip side of that, you're also exposed to an enormous amount of debauchery and, you know, <laughs> walking down the wrong path, which I did yep. like with intent, you know, hard, like very hard. Um, and so, you know, but when, when, before my wife and I had kids, you know, we've been married a long time. Um, and we didn't have kids until five years ago and we've been together, you know, over 15 years, you know, we met when we were about seven years old. Um, crazy, but, <laughs> but, you know, we, we, um, we decided that, you know, we were going to have kids in the city. And, and I, and I was pretty adamant about that because I really wanted my kids to grow up in the diverse sort of climate that I grew up in. And I wanted them to have the street smarts that I have. And when this whole thing came about, that conversation came back up and we said, well, do we want to, you know, do we want to make this shift upstate and try to raise them upstate? And what I will say is that like watching my kids outside all day long, running around in the woods, getting dirty you know, that was the best part of my childhood. The best yeah. part. Finding snakes and lizards and turtles and frogs and toads and, you know, fucking bugs and all sorts of fun stuff. Like you don't get that in New York city. Yeah. And that's, a, that's, that is really special and awesome as well. You know, like the other piece about growing up in New York city, you know, and anybody who tells you different lying when the toilet breaks, you call this someone people. fixes it. Yeah. Someone fixes it. Yeah. When the, when, when the, when, you know, the, the, the air conditioner stops working, like you don't climb up into the fucking, yeah. fix it. Yeah. that, that fixes yeah. it now. Yeah. And so now, you know, like I'm, I've been, I've been thrust into this thing and luckily I have a lot of experience with handiwork in the restaurants because I've building restaurants for a long right. time. But like, you know, I will say like before that, I didn't know, I didn't know a, a, a screwdriver. Like <laughs> people buy me a Sawzall, I'd be like a what a what a what? Yeah. Hold up. Yeah. I've had, I've had, uh, yeah, I've had plenty of experiences like that with some of my friends. Like, Hey man, can you like come over and help me hang this picture frame? I'm like, Are you, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> They're like, I don't even have a hammer. I'm like, Oh, I'll be right over. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, look, I think that you learn there's life skills that you pick up in, the, in growing up in a city that are invaluable. Mm -hmm. There's also life skills that you pick up growing up in the country that are invaluable. So right. I do believe 
that they balance each other out. It's beautiful to see my kids so happy um, up in the, you know, in the country and jumping into the pond every day and, you know, me pulling leeches off their ass and stuff. Yeah. Like but, you know, like, yeah. actually. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, but that's so great. I just it's it's tough for me to say where I you know, what, what I, what I would prefer. I, it, I think both places offer a wealth of, of, um, you know, sort of asset. Yeah. I would, I would agree with that. Take it a day at a time. You know, my wife isn't sure if she's ready to be full-time country. I'm not sure. If yeah. I'm ready. <laughs> hey, 50, 50, you know, a 40, 60 is not a bad, not a bad thing I at all. Truck, though. I yeah. do want to Oh yeah, uh, hopefully not a Ford though. Hopefully not a Ford. <laughs> that Raptor's pretty. Yeah, 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 they are pretty. They are pretty dope. I know. I have a couple of friends with those. Those things are pretty sick. So, brother, I gotta ask you. Since now we we were talking about the upbrings and upbringings, and you know the country and the city, and you know the different experiences and all that, I want to see if we can dive in a little bit into the way your upbringing was in New York. And I know we touched a little bit upon it, but I want to go a little deeper and and how you felt that that played a huge role in the person you are today, um, doing the amazing things that you're doing, um, and, and just being a, a leader in what you do. And I want to see, I want to hear from you, you know, how that upbringing helped mold you through those experiences, through those tribulations, you know, through those failures and successes, how you became who you are today. If we can go back a little bit into that. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I grew up in, uh, in Manhattan, um, on 87th street between first and second Avenue. It's pretty, pretty safe, nice neighborhood. Um, you know, my parents did not have a lot of money. They weren't broke, but I would say we were like lower middle class. Um, and my father was a very, uh, physically and mentally sick dude. Uh, and we, as a family all dealt with that. We lived in a small one bedroom apartment, my sister, my mother, my father, and I, and so my sister and I shared a bedroom for ever. And, and then, um, and that was really frustrating. So I, I think at a, from an, from as early as I can remember, I always wanted to get out of my house. I always wanted out. My dad was really aggressive and violent and abusive. And so I just always wanted out. And so I, at an early age, learned that I have, um, and I think it's probably my strongest sort of attribute today, is that I love people. I know how to, I know how to, you know, sort of chameleon myself into any situation. I'm really good with people. People are my energy. People are my oxygen. And I, I thrive um, in communicating with people. And so I learned early on that I had this sort of charming way about myself and I can kind of get into any situation I wanted to get into by using that, that skill set. And so I was like sleeping over at friends' houses, you know, all through elementary school. Um, and you know, I, I got into sports pretty young and then I ended up playing, uh, ice hockey on a scholarship um, and I would like sleep at the rink. Uh, I just, I was just out by the time I was 12, 13 years old, I was doing drugs and I was working in a restaurant at 13. Um, I had already like, you know, figured out a way to make money, you know, freshman year in high school, I got into high school and I like very quickly found the rough and tumble kids 
and I was selling drugs and I was doing a lot of drugs and, you know, it was rough at home. It was really bad at home because I was completely reckless and my dad was already a, an animal, you know, he, he, and, and me being reckless and him being who he was, was that like water. Man. It was bad. And so we were fighting constantly and the police were showing up to the house all the time because our neighbors were calling because we were, you know, in a fist fight, you know, all the time. And, and, uh, the child services got involved and they were like, look, you guys obviously cannot get along. Uh, your son is sleeping on the couch. Your daughter's sleeping in the bedroom. You guys are sleeping on a Murphy bed in the living in the, in the dining room we're going to take this kid and put him into foster care. And I was like, I was, I was 14 going on 15. I'm like, you think you're putting me in foster care now? You're crazy. Yeah. No way. I'm out. And so I packed my bag and I left and I moved out of my parents' house. And I said, look, you know, you, you, you guys, you gotta, you're going to have to find me um, because I'm not, there's no chance that that's happening. I've already been out, you know, most nights I'm not going to some foster situation. And so, um, I made a deal with my mom and I told her that I would go into outpatient rehab if she would just be cool with me staying with a friend. And I was friends with this girl that was living at, uh, in the, she was going to NYU. She was a freshman at NYU. So I was friends with her and I was crashing at her dorm. And I was like, look, I'm going to crash at her dorm. It's all good. I'll go to outpatient rehab. I'll get my shit together and then we'll figure this out you know, when things calm down. And so this I did was when that. You were like I, 14, 15, right? Yeah. Gotcha. When I was 15 is when I made the, when I made the decision, I was out. And your, and, your friend uh, was in college. Yeah. So that charm was, was working. Oh, charm was working. <laughs> how, how was it make, you know, having to make a decision like that at, at 14, 15 years old though, you know, like, you know, I think I was at that point, I had already been through a lot, you know, um, I, you know, I had a really tough relationship with my father and I don't blame him for it. Some people are meant to be parents. Some people aren't. I don't think my father, I think my father did really love me. I just don't think my father knew how to express his love. You know, he was a selfish guy. He was sick himself. He was, he was a juvenile diabetic, constantly dealing with, 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 um, with his illness and probably not happy about his life. He was on permanent disability. He made no money. Um, and so he was a miserable guy and I think that he just didn't know how to control his emotions. And so he took it out on me for the most part. And so that decision was actually a very easy one for me. It was like, I'm out. This is official. Come find me. I'm not coming home. And, uh, and I, and I was off to the races, you know, I, I, at that point I was like, like knee deep in the bad news. I was just, you know, I was doing not great things. And, um, but I, but I honestly could say that I don't regret a minute of it. Um, I would not have changed any of it. Uh, I needed to go through what I went through to get to where I'm at. I believe that in my core, my soul, my heart. Um, I also know that I was never a bad person, uh, but I did some bad things uh, that I had to learn from. And I had to get punched in the mouth many, many times. Um, and so I kept on walking down this bad path. Uh, that wasn't great, but I graduated high school. Um, and I was working in the, in the nightlife. I was working in restaurants. I was working in nightclubs. I always figured out a way to, to, to keep a legitimate job, even though I was, you know, 
playing with the wrong crew. Um, and I fell in love with hospitality. I fell in love with the people. Um, I fell in love with the night. I was really a night guy. Like I really, the night was just like, just the energy of the night really got me going. And, uh, you know, I, I, tr- I, I got into some trouble in New York. I, I, I fl- beat it, headed out to the West coast. Um, did not do well on the West coast came. Back. <laughs> <laughs> well, part of the uh, West coast, LA, LA. I went to okay. LA and, you know, New York city kid, never driven a car before somehow, some way passes driver's test. <laughs> wow. And just, you know, we don't drive in New York city. Right. No, so no. only the know. super, only the extremely wealthy drive in New York city, you know, yeah. and taxis, Ubers. Yeah. It was like, trains, taxis, skateboard, bike, you know, that's how you got around. And, um, and so partying at night, like you never thought, Oh wait, I have to get into a car and drive. However, in LA you do. And, but like, I didn't stop partying the way I was. And so I just like, you know, I'm lucky to be alive. Um, and so I came back to New York. Um, my dad had passed away. I came back on, uh, you know, for Christmas, my father passed away on January 9th, 2001, right before 9-11. And then I just never went back to LA, literally. I left all my shit out there. I just did not even go back. I wow. didn't even have a thought, just like, nah, fuck it. it. That's how I, that's like literally where I was in my life. <laughs> Unreal. You know? oh, Unreal. Whatever, I'm not going back. Um, my car, my clothes, like all of it. I was just like, whatever, I'm done. Wow. And um, stayed in New York. I, and I was a complete mess. And that was like, that was my father passing away, even though I had such a shitty relationship was just a great excuse for me to take my addiction to, you know, drugs and alcohol to the next level. Cause I was like, my dad died. You got to, you know, feel bad for me. And so I did. And, um, just kept digging this hole knowing inside though, that I was a good guy, just could not figure it out. Anyway, it got, it got ugly. Um, and finally at the, at 23, uh, my boss, I had a job in a restaurant that I loved and I was there for a long time. My boss took me aside and said, dude, Mikey, like, I love you. Everybody pretty much loves you, but you're a complete mess and you're killing yourself. And you're like my son and I'm not going to watch you die. So you're fired, man. I'm not going to watch it happen. I, you just, if you're not going to, if you're not, if you can't get your shit together, you got to go somewhere else. And that was, that was the first time I, I had a real wake up call. A guy that I really looked up to that partied with me, by the way, took me aside and said, dude, I'm not going to watch you die. And, uh, and I got sober the next day. I walked into the meeting and I fucking surrendered and I said, I can't do this shit anymore. And I've been sober from that day on 16 years, actually two days ago was my anniversary. That's amazing, man. That's amazing. And I think it's amazing more that sometimes we realize it in life that we need to have those moments, those, those hard hits where it's like, wow, like this was that breaking point for me to be able to transition into another new chapter and create a different direction in my life. And it's amazing when you hear from so many different people, that moment that they have, um, in their transition point to then really catapult the rest of their life or moving forward to wherever they are now currently. Um, and I appreciate you sharing that because I can definitely um, say that there's a lot of people listening to this, a lot of people that are going to watch this that can definitely use that um, 
advice in that in that experience of yours to be able to realize that you know you're not doomed you know that people go through mistakes people face obstacles they face these tribulations they go through these these ups and downs but there's always a way you know and and it's just being able to like you said you always held in which i really love that you said that you mentioned it a few times you always held in that you knew you were a good person and that is definitely the truth because you know off the bat when we met that was the first vibe and i was like this guy's energy this guy off the bat is such a genuine awesome good person and that's the that's the energy you rub off on 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 people and on myself so you holding on to that i can definitely just hear from that 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 really also helped you push through these times and you know i can definitely say a lot of people are gonna definitely benefit from this thanks man i mean one thing that i'll say about it because i think a lot of people i don't you know i don't share a ton about uh my sobriety. Um, not that I'm ashamed of it. Not that I'm, you know, don't want people to know, like I actually am totally comfortable and cool with, with my, the fact that I am sober. But one thing I will say is that a lot of people, a lot more people than, you know, struggle with addiction and it doesn't always manifest itself in drugs and alcohol. It could be in anything. It's shopping, gambling, eating, sex. There's many, many things that people sort of bury themselves in, right? The, the, the one thing that I will share here is this. I hate hearing people can't change. I absolutely hate hearing people can't change. I am a living example of someone who truly 180'd his life. Like I 180'd my life. I changed everything. And even though, like I said, at, at my core, I was always a good soul. If you were to take a snapshot of what my life was like 16 years, 16 years and three days ago to what it is today, you would never, ever, ever think that, that, that I'm the same person. So what I'm saying is, is that if you are listening to this and if you are struggling, there is a solution. And it's a lot simpler than you think. It's not easy, but it is simple. And I'm a living example of that, that there, you are not doomed. Like Anthony just said, you, there are, there are a lot of things you can do to relieve yourself of that self-hatred. And I'm, I'm a living example of it. Anyway, when I got sober, I found fitness and wellness and, you know, and I've been on that path, um, since day one, you know, I found spirituality, I found fitness, I found wellness, and I started to slowly but surely begin to love myself. Um, because I also believe that as human beings, we are here for two things, to love and be loved. <laughs> Those are the two things that we are here for. And somebody said something to me recently that really resonated and he said, humans are motivated by two things, fear and love. And the one you practice most, if you practice, he said, human beings are motivated by two things, fear and love. And if you practice one, the other one will begin to disappear. And um, that's a great that message. Home, you know what I mean? It's like, I, I know that we are here as loving beings and all the decisions that we make good and bad are in pursuit of love, right? Like, you know, people murder over love. 
people win massive, you know, achievements over love. It's just, I just believe that, you know? And so the closer we can get to that and understanding that that is ultimately what it's all about. It's all about love. And, um, you know, there's a, there's a study, a human study, the longest human study of in history or maybe American history, but I think it's actually in history. Uh, it started in 1936, I believe in Boston, they took 700 males, um, that were 350 of them were, were sophomores in Harvard and 350 of them were from the, the roughest streets of South Boston, all dudes at like age 20 or 21 or something like that, 1920. And they followed them. They're still following them. And, and, and so, and, and some of them have passed it on to their kids, but what they found in this human study, and I think they send them a questionnaire once a month or once a quarter is that, there's, there's really one common thread amongst happy people throughout life. And what they learned was great personal relationships is a direct correlation to a life of happiness. It's not money. It's not things. It's not, you know, models and bottles. <laughs> it's great personal relationships. The Amen. people... The people that had the most um, sort of rich personal relationships were the happiest. And, uh, and that means a lot. I, uh, I completely agree with that, man. I, I think, you know, even, and again, right, like we talk about it quite a bit between like the relationships we have with our clients who have become some of the, you know, some of them a lot like family, you know, some of them are family yeah. now. And, you know, those are the those relationships are the things that I hold, you know, dear to my heart and, and things that I fall back on when I'm going through tough times myself. You know, I, I always know that I can lean on those people. I know I can lean on people like Anthony. Uh, you know, when I'm going through a hard time, he's, you know, he's seen me go through some struggles in the past couple of years. Uh, how do we, how do we build those relationships? Like for people who were in your, in your shoes when you were younger, you know, who are, who are, struggling to find those positive relationships in life or build those positive relationships in life. Like what advice can you give those people to like give them an opportunity to see that there is that option of change, right? There is that option of building those, those relationships that are going to be the catalyst for a better day in your life. You got to have charm like Mike. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, it's a really good question. I think, If you look in the mirror, it's hard to see who you really are, right? Like you, it's, it's hard for us to see who we are because we're so close to it. You know what I mean? It's very, very hard to, to, it's a lot easier to negatively judge yourself than to positively judge yourself. Uh -huh. That said, if you really want to see who you are, you got to look at your circle of friends and your circle of friends are typically going to be able to give you a good snapshot of the kind of person that you are because people tend to attract similar people. And when I like finally got my shit together 
I lost, I don't know, all of my friends outside of a few that are still my dearest friends today that were not sitting in the middle of that crew with me that were sitting on the outskirts, kind of like being like, Mikey, come on, man, come out of this shit. Like you don't have to do this. You know, um, I can honestly say that the circle of friends that I have today is very tight. It's not a lot of people. Um, and we make it a point to communicate and connect. You know, I think this, this is, this has given us a, made it very difficult because we're much more involved in our phones and likes and uh, engagement and comments than sitting down with a buddy and having a burger and talking about life. And, you know, and by the way, I'm a culprit, right? Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not, you know, saying that that's not a big part of my life because it is. However, I do believe that to generate and cultivate great relationships with people, you have to generate and cultivate great real face-to-face relationships with people. And, um, a buddy of mine says that he tries to meet a new person every day, actually in person. Um, and this guy is one of the best guys ever. I, you guys probably know Eric Hinman. Um, you know, Hinman is like, I, I try to meet a new person every day. And I'm like, that's very cool. I love, I like that sort of philosophy because you never know, you know, a mentor of mine said something to me early on in my career and this guy is a legend. His name is Richard Corain. He's Danny Meyer's business partner. And he's my number one mentor. I've run everything by him when it comes to business and really anything. Like he's just like a guy that I look up to in such a great way. And I, I like cherish his advice. Anyway, he said to me one day, we were sitting in one of his restaurants and he goes, he goes, you know, every single guest that walks into our restaurant is an opportunity to develop a relationship. If we don't take that opportunity, somebody else will period. We are, we are walking relationships, every single person, right? Like, and thank you. I I appreciate that compliment. (laughs) (laughs) I, I believe that I believe that though, you know, and, and, and so I'm pretty critical when I walk into a restaurant, like, I, I'm, I'm the kind of guy that you can engage, you can, you can stand at the table and shoot the shit with and have a conversation and ask me questions. And, you know, and, and I, and sometimes I'm like, and I'm, and I think I put that energy out there too. You oh, you know? for sure do. I remember the first time I met you, it was just like, <laughs> boom. Oh, that's my, that's my goal. Yeah. Well, I, I like, well, I, also, I, it sounds familiar. Mendes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, dude, talk about good energy, right? Like, yeah, Andy, for sure. Like, you, you, you can, you make up your presence is felt that, you know, from like a mile down the fucking road. Appreciate um, but you know, he said to me, he said, you know, every single guest that walks in the door is an opportunity to develop a relationship. And if you don't take it, somebody else will. And I believe that, that that's some of the best advice I've ever given because a lot of people walk around with self-centered fear And that means that they walk around thinking that other people are thinking poorly about them, which is totally selfish. Well, no one gives a shit. Yeah, no no one really cares. No one really cares. You know, and like for you to have the audacity to think that that person that you don't know at all, never met in the world is just (laughs) you? Yeah. Come on. Yeah, it's absurd. 
the shitty way to live. Yeah. That's so why it just I sometimes takes somebody to step step up and, and, and take it, you know, approach that person, you know, because if they're not going to do it, then who's going to do it, you know? So you definitely got to be the one to go what? and I, go over there and say hello. I say to, to everybody on my teams, I do it myself. When I walk through a doorway and it's a cue for me, when I walk through a doorway, predominantly public doorways, it doesn't matter what kind of doorway. It could be the open the doorway to a bathroom. It could be the doorway to a, to a restaurant. It could be the doorway to a store. It could be the doorway out of a store, wherever it is. Walking through an arch like that is a cue for me to smile. Why? Because a smile is disarming. A, a smile is, is something that people will see and actually it like it releases endorphins in you personally. And it also is just, it, it just makes people feel better. And so I literally say to the crews that, that I build over the years, like, Hey, like when you walk through the door of the restaurant, smile. When you see somebody walking out of the bathroom, smile. When you walk out of the bathroom, smile. It's so easy. It's like, it's so easy, like a big smile. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's one of those things that is just such a simple thing to do and is game changing for, for, for the person smiling and all the people around them. Um, I have to definitely agree with that. And you just see that, you know, like you're saying, going back to, you know, the phone being a disruptor, you know, you start seeing some of these little things like smiling and just being aware of the people around you and even looking up and looking up exactly or paying or looking at you when you're talking to, you know, a lot of these Huge things, pet peeve of mine. <laughs> Huge a, a lot of these things you see slowly start dying out. Um, and I'm not saying it's necessarily because every, you know, it's their fault or, but, or it's because they're bad this or because they're just being rude. But I think sometimes too, with the way people are being adapted or growing through the environment of certain things, they just lose these capabilities that, you know, we understood when we were younger, when some of these technologies weren't as heavy as they were now um where interacting with people was even bigger than it was before you know and how our parents would tell us well you know hey you know make sure you say hello smile stare at the person when they're talking to you and make sure you're paying attention you know i think some of these things you start seeing a shift and i think it is important when you can be an example of doing that yourself and bringing that back out and showing that it still exists out there where a lot of people might think it doesn't but it actually does we just have to bring it out and you know, you yourself have to be the one to do it. You know, if that person's not, then you do it. You smile at them. You know, you say hello. You say thank you. You look at them when they're talking to you. And then guess what? They're going to be like, oh, shit. Like, I should be looking at him, too. I should be smiling at him, too. Okay, I should be more, you know, aware of this going on. You know, and it's just, it'll create that natural effect of, man, and maybe you just did a favor for them. And they might leave that conversation you had with you in a more happier mood and you just did them a favor for their day. They might've had a shitty day. And now that little dose of, of goodness just literally changed the way that they would have carried the rest of their day on. No, you know what? I, I, I've probably, I've been in, I've been a business owner for um, uh, 12 years now. I've opened up 16 restaurants. Amazing. And um, I've probably hired, well over a thousand people in my career for sure. And I interview every single person that comes to work at a restaurant 
for the opening of the restaurant. I don't interview every single person as we are grow as we continue, just because that would just be non-scalable. But when we when we go to when we open a restaurant, I am part of the interview process because I, I take it so seriously. Honestly, the only thing I look for, I don't care what position you're coming in for. There's one thing I care about. And that is your ability to smile, period. I don't give a shit how much experience you have. I don't care what school you went to. I don't care where you're from. If you can't look at me and smile, I got nothing for you because I can't teach you to do that. Guys, you heard if you're going to come work for Mike, you better have a smile on that resume. Well, you know, at, at, the, rest, at the restaurants, we, you know, I call it hire on a smile. Customer service is king in the restaurant industry, you know, and you're you're in the most competitive city in one of the most competitive industries. Right. So how do you how do you get everybody while dealing with so many unique personalities? Right. I mean, we talked about earlier how diverse New York City really is. Right. So how was it for you managing so many diverse personalities in order to drive the ship forward and, and be able to create the success that you have in the most competitive market in the most competitive city. I mean, that's my, that's, that's my oxygen, man. I said it earlier. People are my oxygen. You know, uh, I love, I love disarming negative people. <laughs> I just, I, you know, there's like, you know, I just, for me, you know, I'm known famous for being like, you know, there's, there's that table, that disgruntled table, nothing is going to make them happy. You know, they just hate everything about life, man. That like fires me up. I'm like going over to that table with intention and nine out of 10 times I turn them into lifetime guests. And, um, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I love, I just, for me, managing people, um, you know, I think I, I'd like to say that I'm a good listener. You know, I don't wait to speak. I used to, I used to be a wait to speaker. Uh, and now over the years I've learned to become a good listener. And I think leadership has a lot to do with listening. Um, anybody can spew, speak, their mind have to be heard. I think leaders really are great listeners and, and, and intentional listeners. And so I think I've learned to really listen over the years. And I think that that's why, like I've hired a thousand people, I've probably fired a thousand people. Um, but I can guarantee you 90% of the people that I've fired today, I could call up right now and be like, Hey, you want to come back and work? And they're going to, they're going to, they'll be excited because that's how I, I, I go out of my way to, to, to listen to people and to be a fair person. And I don't lead with fear. I, you know, even though some people say, you know, I just listened to this great book, um, relentless by, uh, Tim Grover, I think it's Michael Jordan's coach, um, Kobe's coach too. And so I was listening to that book and it was talking about relentless, um, like relentless mindset, relentless mentality. And there was a lot that I identified with, but there was also a lot that I did not identify with because I do care about other people. Winning is not my only 
I love to win. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm very competitive, insanely competitive guy, but winning is not the end all be all for me. I'm not going to stab you in the face to win. I'm going to convince you to join me to win. Um, uh, that's where my, that's where my talent comes in. I'm able to, I don't have to like push you out of the way or run you over with a truck. I have a really great way of convincing people to want to win with me as opposed to me having to do it all alone. Uh, and, um, and so I think to answer your question, I think that's what it really is. I love building teams. I love getting people fired up about something great and, um, and being able to stand behind something great, stand with something great. I think it's truly amazing all the things you said, and it clearly shows, man, why you've had so much success, um, you know, especially coming out of rough times that you faced and turning yourself around. Like you said, you're you're living truth of it, you know, that you've made this 180 shift in your life and look what you've been able to do for yourself and always knowing that you were a good person. And it's just the energy, the charm, the the. The, li the likeliness of you just being attracted to all these people and that energy and just the wanting to help others and, and showing up, you know, I think it's just amazing what you've been able to do. And that's why it shows off. Another thing I wanted to bring up just because I know these are two things that you've been working on. Um, I know your podcast. I want to, I want to dive into a little bit about your hey. podcast. I know, I, I know I came on, that was really awesome. And I love the whole, you know, born or made concept. And I want to dive in a little bit about that. What made you want to start that podcast? What's the reason you got the name? And um, how is that going for you today? Um, yeah, thanks for bringing up the podcast. Uh, it's definitely something that- It's I've a great listen, by the way. Great listen. Thanks so much. I mean, Anthony, you were- you I loved on. it. It's just a, a stallion on, on the mic. <laughs> Stallion. I mean, you killed it on there. And so I appreciate you taking the time to do that with Always. me. Always. Um, you know, in my heart, I believe that everybody on the planet is born with a talent. Um, and I believe the journey in life is trying to find what that talent is, ideally as quickly as possible so that we can capitalize on it. I do believe that some people never find it. And so the motivation for me with the podcast was to try to explain my, my sort of belief in that everybody is born with a very specific talent. Um, and it's like, I guess it's hard to be scientific about it, but like when you really think about it, certain people are able to pick up a paintbrush and paint like beautiful, incredible masterpieces, right? You give me a paintbrush. I, I just can't do it. I, I just, I can't you, you, I mean, if I spent years and years with the best of the best, maybe I'd get somewhat good, but like, I'd never be that natural fine artist. There are certain people that can from a very young age, open up their mouths and have this unbelievably harmonic voice that just has vibrato and just it just is amazing they're they're like you know youtube stars at three right like we were born with that shit michael jordan the guy was just is just a better basketball player than everybody else on the planet he was born with that talent you know entrepreneurs mathematicians poets Fathers, mothers, 
there's talent that people are born with. And I believe that our journey is to find what those talents are. So born or made came from that idea that, you know, do you believe that you were born with the talent that you were given or that you are, that you live by today, or do you think you were made over time? And I think it's a really interesting topic because I don't think everybody believes what I believe that people are born with, with what they're, you know, what they, what they do really well at. And so I wanted to get the opinions of people like Anthony, people like Gary V, people like Lewis Howes, you know, I've had a lot of great people on the podcast and we talk about it. And I think it's just a really, it's the nature nurture question. I think it's hard to, to, to argue that people are born with talent. Um, I think it's really hard. And I think that people can be made for sure. Right. Like if you really dedicate and work hard at something, you can get good at it, but are you going to be as good at that? Then you could be at your God given talent. Probably not, you know? And I also believe that like, if you spend your life pushing a boulder uphill constantly, and it's constantly just pushing back on you and you just keep pushing it, you keep pushing it. And it's not getting any easier. And you just keep going, you keep going. I'm not saying don't fail. Cause I believe fail off and fail fast and learn. But like, if you just keep pushing this boulder uphill, man, you're going to be yoked. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, it's not, chances are it's, it's, you're not meant to do that thing. Right. And that's okay. And I think the other beauty of it all is like, be okay with changing your mind. Yeah. Be okay with pulling the plug on some shit. That's not mm-hmm. working. Mm-hmm. People spend too much time in bad situations. I agree. Yeah. You're in a bad relationship. It's never getting, it hasn't gotten better. You, 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 you hate being in it. Yo, step outside of your comfort zone. You ha- know what I mean? Having- they say something really cool in, 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 in this group that I'm in. I'll just, I'll finish with this, right? Like <laughs> most people, are able to pull themselves out of a bad situation, right? But some people fall into a ditch, metaphor, like start hanging pictures on the wall. You know what I mean? Like get real comfy in the corner of that dirty, dingy ditch and just don't try to pull themselves out. And who the fuck wants to live in a ditch? That's right. Get the hell out of the ditch. You can do it. You know what and I mean? Some, and some people are just scared also to ask for help. To right. Totally. Well, it's it's like you were mentioning earlier, right? It's, it's living in fear. It's like living in that state of, you know, either all oh, pe- people are out to get me or, you know, there there's always this external force that's that's conspiring to hold you down when really it's it's inside your own thought process most of the time, right? It's the the outlook that you're having on things that's keeping you from being able to see the sliver that's going to take you to where you want to go. Were there commonalities? I mean, through having all of these conversations on your podcast, were there any commonalities that you found uh, in these, in your guests, right. That allowed you or allowed them uh, for that matter to, you know, be able to transcend uh, a place where they weren't happy to, to thriving and living a life of purpose now. Um, 
I think, I think, you know, the majority of the people that I've spoken to on the podcast um, are ambitious people. Right. And a, and a large, a large majority of them had to get through some adversity uh, to sort of really sort of get after what they were trying to accomplish. So I do believe that adversity definitely plays a role. I feel like, you know, it, 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 sometimes, you know, I say it must be really hard being born into enormous wealth. I think it, it, it's got to be really hard because like some people will be like, Oh my God, it would be amazing. Fucking mansions and, and Mercedes, you know, Mer- you know, 16 year old Mercedes G wagons and you know, whatever. And I'm Sick, like, bro. Sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I honestly think that it's probably really hard because you just, you don't, you, it, it, you don't get to fight. And like, that's where I find my meaning in, you know, it's like through through those hard times that I've had as a kid. It's same you know, same goes for Mendez. We we talk yeah. about this all the time. You know, I it's very evident that the same is the the case for you. And I think we can Please. all agree too that you see some of the most successful people that built themselves up. Um, you know, and they even, all struggle. And even talking about the kids who were born into it, their parents went through their those struggles, or if it wasn't the parents, the grandparents did. You know, so at some point in that line of generation of those who are born into the wealth, someone in there had to go through those struggles to be able to be able to have what those kids have and those parents and all that and pass it on. But I think it's the amazing part of, of, you know, starting from the bottom or starting in a place where you don't have all that is the, it's more the understanding, the process of the way that you can just view life in general. Um, it's more the understanding of the appreciation of things, the appreciation of others and the people in your circle, like you mentioned, and and understanding that that's the most important thing. I think that that's what truly counts as value when you can come from this place of having to work hard and having to build yourself up to the point where, yeah, you build financial freedom, but the process of it, the learning message lessons, those, the, all those experiences is a true wealth. And that's what really, I think you take on with you later on that you can share and really provide value and knowledge for others out there. And, um, and it's just the, that to me, that's, that's the uniqueness of everybody's story. That's the uniqueness of your life, of Josh's life, of my life, of everybody else that we talked about. And it's that, that those moments that we talk about the process. And, and I think that's what truly, um, can help you know, others by hearing our processes and our experiences. Yeah, man. I agree. I agree. I, 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 you know, everybody's got a story. Everybody does. So we're not, you know, we appreciate, uh, we're almost at an hour here, man. We, uh, before we wrap things up, I wanted to say, uh, you know, first of all, thank you for coming on and sharing, uh, quite a bit about your story and, and being a little bit vulnerable with us, right? I, I think a lot of high, highly successful people, a lot of high performers, they only want, they only want those that are viewing their content or coming, you know, in your case, coming to their restaurants to see, you know, the successful side, but it's really the struggles that you've gone through that make those connections with people. Uh, and I want to say thank you for, you know, coming on there or coming on here and, and, allowing people to kind of see that side of you, uh, see a different, uh, part of you 
that allows them to, you know, understand that there is a path for them to succeed. And, and it's not necessarily going to be easy. It usually is not easy unless you do come from genera- generational wealth. And then even then it's still a struggle. Uh, not that I would know, but, <laughs> but, you know, th- thank you again for, for coming on here and, and opening up to our listeners and, and giving them a little bit of insight and in, into, you know, what really makes you tick as a person. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. Where can people where can people find you on uh, social media on you know where are your restaurants located all that good stuff? Yeah, so all the restaurants are uh, in uh, in Manhattan and Brooklyn, Meatball Shop and Seymour's. Um, my Q's friends, you you listening right now? My Q's friends, you you better be going there real soon. <laughs> um, and uh, you can find me on social media at Michael Chernow, pretty much everywhere. Born or made is on everywhere you could find your you know literally everywhere subscribe listen guys it's a it's a great podcast especially the episode with this guy right here (laughs) (laughs) um and uh you know i i just would say the one thing that i would leave everybody with and you know anthony and anthony and i met through social media but really we met because um we are deeply involved in the world of better living of living your life hell yeah you know what I mean? Living your life uh, each day, not like it's your last, but it's like it's your best. And um, and I, I, I attribute a very large portion of my general day to day happiness to the world of fitness and nutrition and eating well. And I would just say for anybody out there that is looking for an opportunity to feel better, be better, look better. Um, The world of fitness is wide open for the taking. I've met very few people that have started down the path of fitness that has ever regretted it. It is, it is, it is how I changed my life. It is how I went from an alcoholic and a drug addict to a husband, a father, a business owner, a better son, a better, a better brother, you know, all of that is a direct line to me finding a way to drop wins in my day, right? Little wins throughout my day, work out in the morning, eat a healthy breakfast, eat a healthy lunch, have a little treat snack, like be nice to myself. But like these wins that we're able to drop in our day, no matter what's happening around the world with fitness and wellness and nutrition, you are able to win multiple times every single day. Uh-huh. And those wins add up to happiness and better living and better being. So don't live every day. Like it's your last, but live every day. Like it's your fucking best. Boom. Whew. I couldn't have said that better. And you know what? You probably even answered the question that I was going to ask you because I always ask, what's the biggest piece of advice? Yeah, he beat you to the punch there. He knew knew it was coming. (laughs) Yep, I always ask, what's the biggest piece of advice that you can leave off with all our listeners? And I think you just did that. (laughs) Yeah, you you really have to be able to, you know, help yourself and, and take care of yourself in order to be able to then, you know, help and take care of others. And you're obviously doing an amazing job of that yourself with, your businesses, with your restaurants, with your family, you know, with the things Mendes has told me uh, about the what you're doing now in, in health and wellness, uh, it's all it's all amazing stuff, man. And uh, any way that we can help you, please let us know. Uh, anytime you want to come back on the podcast, you're always more than welcome to. Oh yeah, 
Thank you again, man. We really appreciate We're it. Always here, brother. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you taking the time. Hell yeah, yeah man. You too, man. Till next time, guys. See you uh, later. Love. Peace. Thank you for listening to Sweat It Out with Anthony Mendez and Josh Evans. Enjoyed this episode? Make sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a review.